Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football and I'm passionate about it. I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to the playoffs 12 times. I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? All right, welcome back. 1% Better, the Upper Quartile Podcast, TBD, right? We'll figure it out when the Colts get a new coach at some, at some point. point. At <laughs> some point. I know you guys are chomping at the bit to, to, to find out who it is. We're ready for this to be over. You guys are ready for this to be over. This is Zach Kiefer, joined by James Boyd. This is a Colts podcast. I don't know what else to call it. Um, <laughs> another week, no coach. Here we go. James, 23 days in, they will have sat down 21 times to meet with a candidate. 13 originally, eight second-round candidates, more second-round candidates than any team's probably ever had. We will dig into the coaching search in just a minute, things we've heard over the last six or seven days. But I want to start here, James. You just got back from Mobile, Alabama. The NFL sort of turned its focus to the Senior Bowl this week. What'd you learn? What'd you hear? Who'd you see? What were sort of the, the takeaways from from the Senior Bowl? Yeah, so everywhere you go down there, at least, you know, when you're at Senior Bowl events, they have, you know, the, the signs or the shirts that say, like, the draft starts here. and you, It kind of gets real, right? You're starting to see, like, the entire NFL turn the page next season. The most unique thing for the Colts, though, is just they're kind of in limbo. So Brian Bretton there, Brian Bretton, the Colts, uh, you know, offensive quality control coach was there as a wide receiver coach for the American team. But he's kind of in no man's land. Does he land. know if he's going to be? Exactly. I was talking to another coach yesterday and he's just waiting. Like these guys are just waiting to find out like the rest of us. Yeah. So, you know, I asked Brian, I was like, hey, man, like, you know, how, how do you approach this knowing that your team's kind of in flux and, and and unlike some of the other teams you don't know your coaching staff and I wasn't rude I didn't I didn't say like you don't know if you're going to be here or not but more or less that's the question and he's just like I'm going out here doing my job you know I, you know I appreciate the opportunity and I'm sure even despite you know the, the the limbo he's scouting and he's you know doing his job to the best of his ability along with some other coach representatives that were there who I'm sure will probably be retained but then again it's just it's such a unique situation because you have other reporters who are talking to the GM, talking to their coach and doing things like that. And for us, you know, the, the, those that were down there, you know, for the Colts, it was kind of like, all right, like, you know, you're probably not going to be talking to the GM because the GM is going to be like looking for a coach back at Indy. So I just took my time to focus on other needs because I knew with Will Levis declining his invitation to the senior bowl. None of the quarterbacks there were of interest to Indy, quite frankly. I'm not saying that any of those guys weren't worth looking at. Of course, I looked at Max Duggan and other guys like that. But I focused on other positional needs that could probably be targeted outside of that top four pick. You know, I know they got a number 35 pick in the second round. They've got some, you know, third round, fourth round, fifth round picks. And so, again, these are groups and, and areas that need to be addressed with these picks. And so I looked at. You know, first off, offensive line was like my thing. It's like, you know, with the Ryan Kelly regression, um, with some of the questions still available on the entire offensive line, is that a position group that you might 
draft or look to move on from or, or move Ryan Kelly? And if so, who are some guys that could possibly possibly step in? And one guy who stepped out to me was John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota center, six three three oh six um for his weight. And he was just mean, man. He was probably the most polished guy there. I don't even know if he's gonna like make it to the second round, Zach, honestly at number 35, but he was pretty good. And I was like, he can start in the NFL like today, right now. Other guys are more of a project down there. He's got the size, the experience. And he was like, you know, pretty proud to say, Hey, we were you know, in Minnesota. We ran the ball 80, 20. And so I do want to show how he's, I can be better and pass, you know, protection, things like that. But he was like, we ran the ball, we made holes and he made a few big ones um, during some of the team drills. Another guy who stood out to me and is more of a, I guess, indie guy just because he went to ben davis high school was dewan jones from ohio state the right tackle longest wingspan in uh in senior bowl history 89.5 inches looks like a creative player it reminds me of like like the blind side the movie because just how big he was compared to everyone else as you can imagine with his size and not to take anything away from his size but his skill as well he had some really really good reps and and hardly lost many one-on-one matchups and and had you know too many slip-ups in that regard Another position I looked at, wide receiver and edge rushers. Wide receiver, the guy who stole the show from me over the first two days was Jaden Reed from Michigan State. You look at Paris's, you know, contract situation. Will he be brought back? That's not a guarantee. If any of you out there were reading uh, his comments to the Charlotte Observer, you're like, man, does he want to go to, to join Frank Wright? Because he was ranting and raving about, you know, his offense and what he meant to him. And a guy who could possibly replace him is a guy like Jaden Reed, you know, super fast you know can run every route xyz he was not lying about that he caught balls all over the field and pretty much won every one-on-one matchup the only difficult thing was kind of trying to gauge like db and wide receiver with some of the quarterback play like they would get a ball not thrown near them and i'm like all right like who won that rep it's kind of hard to tell but the ones that were thrown like with that were catchable balls he, he was hauling them in and really making himself you know flash and you know, settings that aren't always conducive to that because he only gets a certain amount of reps and all of his reps were pretty uh pretty lively. Another guy I liked, Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State. Physical dude. I think that he's like the Chris Ballard type, you know, 6'1", 207. Has the, the stuff you can't teach as far as his size and then uses it. He's a physical dude. A lot of contested catches. And again, someone who can, you know, just make life easier on you if you, you know, need to just throw it in, in, in his area. He has that catch radius and that physicality to usually come down with the ball. And then for edge rushers, the guy who really caught my attention at first because of his hair was KJ Henry. He got the, the fro hawk like I used to have. But um, big dude. I mean, 6'4", 247. And he's talking about adding weight. And I thought that it was really unique that the way that he was able to explode, use his power, use his speed. A little bit raw at times, probably want some more flexibility on the edge, but the stuff there to build or at least continue to become a good edge rusher is there. And as we know, the Colts are kind of in that market because of the injury to Tyquan Lewis. I don't expect him to be re-signed. Unique Ngakwe, there's no guarantee he'll be back. And you need more depth there, like Quiddy and Dial had some steps forward. But again, you need more edge rushers. And I feel like that was a position all year, Zach, where they just kind of lacked depth and the ability to impact the game outside the interior, you know, defensive line. And then one more guy I'll mention is, uh, you know, Derek Hall from Auburn, another edge rusher. He's a little bit smaller as far as height, six foot two. He's still got long arms, might go into like the later rounds and we're sitting there talking to him about, you know, all of his you know techniques and stuff. And I didn't really know much about his background. Like I knew about his, like, you know, his play, his position, you know, what he did at Auburn. And so I just asked a non-football question while we were up there. I'm like, okay, I'm sick of talking about like, you know, swim moves and whatever else. And I was like, Hey man, like what, 
motivates you besides loving football? Like when you get up, when you go out there, and you're, you're attacking the pass rusher, and you're, you know, you're working hard, you're at the senior bowl. What drives you? And he's like, he looks at me, takes a long pause, and he's like, it's my mom. And apparently, I didn't know this until after the fact, he was born almost three months pre- premature. And he wasn't expected to be like, you know, a functioning human being. He expected to have like special needs and things like that. Obviously, he's, a, you know, not doing that. He was like, yeah, when I started off playing football, I was in and out of hospital. You know, my mom did everything she could for me. And he said this. She was like, my mother would do everything but steal or something illegal to make sure that I had what I needed. She would beg and borrow. And just seeing that go-getter kind of mentality from her and that dog mentality and that willingness to do whatever it takes to make sure her son was able to have the opportunity to go out and be successful. That's really why I wake up, other than my love of the game of football, and try to get better every single day. And so if you like high character guys, he's one of those guys. I'm sure there's a lot more there, but um, call that was blue a, card guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, like those are, they, they kind of fit that mold of some of the Colts guys they brought in. Right. And so um, I enjoyed my time there. There's a lot of talent there. I don't know if like there was a lot of like headliners, you know, as far as, you know, obviously no first round quarterbacks were there, you know, not a lot of big time, like, like blown away wide receivers were there. However, there's some talent there. And again, with the Colts being a position to still, bolster this team outside of a quarterback uh, i'm sure there were plenty of opportunities for you know dodds and crew to you know look at you know these guys and evaluate them and figure out you know who they want to bring in while they're still trying to hire a head coach and that staff yeah someone asked me this the other day and it's like what do the colts do in the draft after the first pick and i'm like i haven't even thought really in depth about that and i don't think there's any position on the team that we can cross off the list Like, I'd be surprised if they took, like, a tight end in round two because they got a couple young ones. But this roster was so inadequate this year that I feel like there's no position you can just rule out in terms of they need to get better. They need to get better on the offensive line. They need to get better edge rush, like you said. I didn't even mention defensive back. Yeah, like I was going to say. Gilmore's 32, 33. He's under contract. But, you know, beyond that, he's not a long-term solution. You've got Isaiah Rogers in the pipeline, but it's not like Brandon Faison's going to be back. And... You know, linebacker Darius Shaq Leonard is up in the air, and Bobby's an unrestricted free agent. And then on offense, I mean, good God, this was like the worst offense I've ever seen consistently. Like, not just quarterback, but obviously you've got a star running back and you've got a really good receiver in Pitt. But, you know, if you've got Pierce, but I still think receiver is an answer, is, is an answer you need. You don't know what's going to happen with Paris, like you said. Like, it's funny, a lot of times with this team, the way they've been built the last couple of years, we were able to really zero in on where they're going to go. And Ballard would give us the runaround. Eh, we're not really going to go. With and then he'd just draft that. Like in 2020, I was like, I know what you're going to do. You're going to draft an offensive playmaker with your first pick. It was so obvious. And he's like, I don't know what we're going to do. And then they drafted Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor with their first two picks. And then a couple of years ago, it was like, you need an edge rusher, man. Like we know it. And he drafted Cody Pay. This year, I really don't know. And by that, I mean beyond the first pick. It, it would stun me if they didn't take a quarterback. Yeah, I'll say this real quick. I do think, if for me personally, I'm like, the offensive line has to be addressed. I don't know if you address that with your with your uh, second round pick and do it early, but something has to give. Yeah, you can't walk in there with the same line. Yeah, and, and, and again, you're trying to not only – change your franchise because of the quarterback play and because of who you drafted, who you believe in, 
but you want to protect him. You can't. You can't have you a rookie go out there. You need to protect him. Like yes, he's going to have nothing. Is downs. more important. Yeah, it's football. You're going to get hit. In the next but five I mean, years of this franchise. Exactly. Like you don't want him to have the Joe Burrow experience where he's getting hit all the time. And quite frankly, there's no Joe Burrow in this class who'd be able to. You know, before it was the Joe Burrow that. experience. It was the Andrew Luck experience. For those, I was of trying not to go, go there, Zach. For those of us that go there. back a little ways, <laughs> I was trying not to go there. But you, 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 you did this to me. You did this to me. But um, yeah, good time, Mobile. But again, for me, it was it just kind of like re-amplified, like, okay, this is for real. Like the next season is upon us and decisions have to be made beyond quarterback, beyond coach to help turn the page for this team. And so I know you were back here kind of monitoring the uh, the head coaching situation. I was too, of course. But again, part of me was like torn. I'm like, all right, hire someone, but don't hire someone when I'm out of town. Now that I'm back, I'm like, wait, they're doing more interviews? I was kind of shocked. So what was your reaction to because I know you did a story on like the seven, you know, finalists or seven, you know, second round interviews. And then we get Aaron Glenn for an eighth. And so what was your reaction to that and just the overall process of potentially moving to like a third round of interviews? I don't think anything should surprise us at this point, right? This is a strange coaching search. It was strange from the very beginning with the fact that they were going to include Jeff Saturday and they were going to interview basically half the league. And Man, I can't go anywhere around town without being asked, like, who is this going to be and when is this going to end? I was in an event on Saturday night and like three or four people were like, can they just hire someone? And I'm like, man, I'm on the same page, man. Like <laughs> my wife's going to do some stuff with the kids this weekend. And I'm like, I got to stay home in case something happens because we're kind of on lockdown waiting for the white smoke to clear, right? We want to see an end to this long, long process. So 23 days in so far. And as of Saturday afternoon, when Shane Steichen, the Eagles offensive coordinator, will interview a second time, that's 21 combined interviews. That's 21 combined interviews. That's 13 in the first round. Eight made it to the second round. How bad would you feel if you were one of the five that didn't make it to the second round, right? Like almost everybody made it to the second round. These Here's are the long list. interviews. These Here's the list interviews. as of now. This is the second round list. This is not the finalist list. It's Jeff Saturday, it's Ijiro Evero, the Broncos, D.C., Raheem Morris, the Rams, D.C., Rich Bisaccio, the Packers, special teams coordinator who was previously the Raiders, interim head coach, went 7-5 and five last year, led them to the playoffs, first time an interim coach has led a team to the playoffs since Bruce Arians with the Colts in 2012, Wink Martindale, the Giants defensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, the late ad, the Lions, D.C., and then lastly, Shane Steichen, who is going to be with the Eagles as the offensive coordinator in the Super Bowl next week. Per league rules, he has to sit down with the Colts before Sunday because obviously he leaves for Arizona on Sunday to go coach in the Super Bowl. A very long list of finalists. Um, Talked to someone with knowledge of this search earlier this week. They're not rolling out third-round interviews. They're not in a rush. There's only two vacancies left, so they're really only competing against Arizona and there's only two like holdover candidates that are kind of interviewing with both spots. Brian Callahan is one of them. You know, I think for the most part, the Colts are going to be able to pick who they want based on this list. Whatever you want to say about the list, I think they're going to be able to pick someone on this list that they want. Here's the thing that's, that jumps out at me, James. One, if they wanted to hire Jeff Saturday, they would have hired him by now, right? They've interviewed enough guys. I don't get the sense, and this is from people that I trust, that he's not only the front runner, but I don't get the sense he's going to get the job. The caveat I have to add, and everybody out there listening knows this, Jim Mercy could change his mind, and we know that he might. And that's that's the reality of, of following this team. Everybody out there knows that. As of right now, as of sitting here right now, I really do not believe Jeff Saturday is going to get the job. That leaves seven names left on the list. 
The other question is, why do you need a third round interview when you've already been sitting down with these guys for up to 16 hours, right? So the first round interviews are about four hours on Zoom. That's league rules. You have to do it on Zoom. Even Bubba Ventrone, who has an office down the hall, has to do a Zoom interview, which is ridiculous, right? The second round interviews are are 11 to 12 hours in person. They break for food, but like, have you ever sat down with anybody for that long? For anything? That's as exhaustive as it gets. My only question is, why do you need a third round interview if you've already sat down with these guys for the better part of an entire day? But here we are. Yeah, I don't know. That's the part that's a bit alarming to me. And again, you add an eighth second round interview to that pretty late, it seems. And it's not like he was in the playoffs. It's not like scheduling was difficult. It's not like he's interviewing a bunch of different places. Aaron Glenn is is available right now and would love a head coaching job, I would imagine. Why wait so late to add him to the list? Are you not impressed with the other candidates? I don't know. And and that's the part where that that's a bit concerning because it's like, are you just running yourself in a circle because you're so, you know, Chris Ballard, because you just want to make absolute sure that you don't have there's a couple of factors in there. Obviously, you want to try to convince Jim Irsay to 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 heed your advice and, and go with your pick. And then two, you probably don't want to get burned like you did, you know, the last time you went through a regular coaching search where you got left at the altar by Josh McDaniels. You had to kind of scramble to get another, you know, head coach in there with Frank Reich. Obviously he had success here, but at some point it feels like it's like a, a joke that won't end. It's like, you know, how many interviews for the Colts? And, you know, every time I get a Twitter notification from one of the national guys or one of you guys, or, you know, or even us, it's just like, Oh, there's another one. Like there's another one. And so it feels like they're, they're gun shy. Yeah, like at some bit, point right? you're gonna have to pull the trigger. At some point you're gonna have to take a chance. None of these guys are are Tony Dungy. You know, none of these guys are like proven playoff coaches. You're gonna have to roll the dice and take a gamble on what you think this guy will become. And they just haven't done that yet. But when Chris Ballard said back in early January, I don't care if it takes till mid February, the man wasn't kidding. And it's kind of a cruel joke right now, but at this point. What are you waiting for? I just don't know what you're going to hear in a third round interview that you didn't hear in a first or second. I just can't imagine there's something that you're going to learn more. But again, this is the Colts prerogative. There's no rush. You know, I've been asked this. I don't think they're severely behind the eight ball in terms of scouting. They had people down in Mobile. Ballard will be fine with the draft. I don't think they're severely behind the eight ball in terms of competitive by not having a coach right now. The more important thing is that you get the right coach for the next, ideally, five to 10 years but a bizarre coaching search. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, and then if they do go through with these third-round interviews, I'm like, okay, do those get leaked? Do we find out who those are and who makes that cut? Like, does Jeff Saturday get a third interview? He gets a third interview, (laughs) I'm going to be looking like. I don't know about that. I don't want to speculate. I'm not going to rule anything out because (laughs) I cover the Colts. Because I cover the Colts, and they hired a TV analyst in November to coach the team. So anything is possible. I don't know about that, though. And again, I think that's the frustrating part for um, a lot of fans, right? You want a definitive answer. You want these are the guys we're going to choose from. These are the guys that have a chance to get it. This is the guy, like, you know, a lot of the, I saw the petition and stuff like that. Some of the fans are like, oh, this is who we don't want. But that's the thing. You just can't rule things out and you don't know until you know. And so we'll see. I do think that when we look back at this coaching search, it'll be one that kind of sticks out not only for the Colts, but just the league. Cause I don't know how many teams have gone through the third, you know, interview process. And then also having so many advanced to the next stage. And then one quick thing I just want to throw out there. 
I don't know if I mentioned this last week or what, but I mean, how do you feel as a coach if you, you know, went through the interview process and Jeff Saturday moved on to the second round and you didn't? That would probably me. That would that would probably make me very mad, honestly. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. I know that coaches around the league are aware of that, and I know they're talking about that because these guys have worked for this opportunity. But we've had that discussion. We've, we've talked at length about that. Unless he gets the job, we probably won't have to continue that. But let's just run through these guys a little bit. I am just speaking my opinion here. This is not necessarily based on reporting, but I would be a little surprised if Ijiro Evero got the job. He's only been a DC for one year. I feel like that's a big jump. If you make that jump, usually it's on the other side of the ball. It's a young offensive mind, especially with the Colts having a young quarterback coming in. That would be a little surprising to me. Bisaccia, special teams guy, did wonderful in, in Las Vegas last year in, in, a, in a firestorm. I just still think it's it's just very rare to hire an, a special teams coordinator to become a head coach. John Harbaugh is the one exception in Baltimore, but Joe Judge was hired a couple years ago after learning from Belichick, and, and it was just a mess in New York. I don't think Wink Martindale is going to necessarily be a favorite because, you know, he's sort of this gruff, defensive-minded guy, speaks his mind, and I think that's probably a good thing in the interviews because the Colts need to hear that. But again, he's an older defensive coach. You need a young guy to mentor a young quarterback. In theory, that would be a little bit of a surprise to me. Aaron Glenn, the the late ad, that's just surprising to me. I don't know why he wasn't on the original list for the second round. But here's what logic would tell us would be the finalist, as long as they've interviewed well. Raheem Morris, who I know has interviewed well from the beginning, is a former head coach. The fact that it didn't go well does not scare the Colts away. I know that for a fact. Those familiar with the search have brought up the names Belichick and Doug Peterson, you know, guys who... Had success in their first stops to a degree. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl and then did it well the second time around. And Andy Reid was the name that was brought up as well. And he had a ton of success in Philly and has just done tremendously in Kansas City. Brian Callahan, I've heard a lot of good things about. A lot of good things about Brian Callahan. He's been with the Bengals since Zach Taylor got there. No, he doesn't call the plays. And you can give Taylor a lot of credit. And obviously, you can give Joe Burrow a lot of credit. But Callahan is the son of an NFL coach. He's really smart. He's really involved. And, and I've just heard some really good things about him. He's, he's a guy that's worked with Peyton Manning in the past. I feel like he's got a shot at this. Now, this is not based on the guys that are making the decision telling me this, but I feel like Callahan has a lot to bring to the table in terms of working with the young quarterback, which is obviously paramount here. And Steichen, you know, Steichen's work speaks for itself. He helped Jalen Hurts go from is he a guy, is he a starter to an MVP candidate? And he's going to be coaching in the in the biggest game of all next week for a reason. And he doesn't call the plays in Philly at the beginning. He does now. And obviously you've seen what they've done with the Eagles. I mean, just 
I mean, they're 69 and 14 in the playoffs right now in terms of score. So in my opinion, it feels like these would be the finalist finalist. Morris, Callahan, Steichen, maybe one other name, but we'll see. And that's 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 to be determined. The Colts are working through that. My understanding is they're going to work through this Steichen interview on Saturday and then decide whether they want to go forward with third round interviews or whether they have a guy in mind and they want to make a move. Now, if it's Steichen, they could only come to an agreement. They can't make the hire official until after the Super Bowl. So more waiting, right? Great for us. If it's one of the other guys, maybe they bring him in for a third round interview and maybe it doesn't go any further than that. They just make the deal right there in the room and they roll with it. At some point, you know, I had a conversation with someone in the building last week and we were kind of joking about how long this has taken. And he said, you know, we are going to hire a coach at some point. And I kind of brushed it aside as in like, well, you have to. But then I'm like, okay, they do have to hire a coach at some point. So this will end at some point. And I imagine by as early as next Monday or Tuesday, they could have a coach. And as late as a couple of days after the Super Bowl, there will be a coach in place. Who it remains to be seen. But we're getting towards the final stages. Mercifully, thankfully, just hire a coach. Yeah, I think the finalists you mentioned, not finalists, but the people that you expect to kind of get into that 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 final uh thought process or final selection process. Um, I'd agree. I think obviously with Callahan, you know, Peyton Manning, you work with Peyton Manning, that's gonna go over well with Jim Arsay and the ownership and in the franchise and not only him, but Matthew Stafford. So Yeah, and and the dude that is Joe Burrow right now, too. Exactly. That so doesn't me, hurt. And me personally, I'm I'm I lean towards, you know, the younger coach, offensive minded, just because I think that there's going to be a lot thrown at whatever quarterback you draft. And so you kind of want someone who's been able to mold and build and help someone grow in that position um, and have done it multiple times. Obviously, you don't you know, you don't need to help Peyton Manning grow. He's paid Manning when he got to Denver. But still, I just think that with the work that Callahan's done with Joe Burrow and then also. Um, what Steichen has done with, with you know, Jalen Hurts and, and you know, previously Justin Herbert. These are guys that should catch your attention. And then the one thing I'll drive home again with Raheem Morris, I hear this so often with, with fans, and it, it's okay that he failed, quote unquote, at his first time. Like that's that that irritates me because they're like, oh, he was not that great as a head coach. And I was like, dude, that was yeah. 15 years ago he was or whatever. 33 years point. old. Like, yeah. So. I'm thinking, you know, if you can't learn from the, the, between then and now, you're never going to be a good coach. And, I, and I'm not saying that he's not. I'm saying that he is. He's proven that, you know, given the roles he's been in, that he's been able to be successful. And I'm thinking the guy's, you know, been on Super Bowl staffs. So, again, this is not someone who just hasn't done anything in the in the 10 or 12 years, you know, that he's not been a head coach. And so I think that, if anything, he's grown. And I'll plug this as well. You know, there's a YouTube interview with the pivot. We were talking to Ryan Clark. I watched about that. Really fascinating. Really good look at who Raheem Morris is. Absolutely. And the guy owns it. He owned, he did not make any excuses. And they excuses. pushed him to run away from it. They pushed him to make excuses, to blame race, to blame situation, to blame ownership. And he's like, no, man, I got to own those losses. I thought that was impressive. That's what teams like. And he interviewed well, partly because of that. And he's still relatively young to have so much experience. I believe he's like, what, 46 or something like that. And, and he's been in the NFL for, you know, two decades. So that counts for something. And so that's exciting. And then obviously, I don't know if you saw like the, the Arian Foster memes on Twitter. I don't know if Zach keeps up with this stuff, but he's got this, he's on a podcast saying like, is how, this the script? 
Yes, the script. And so I've been Zach, seeing all t- kinds of this stuff. Man, Zach, I don't know what script we got or what script I got for my first season covering the Colts, but this script has been like who wrote this script? Because I want to, I want to go take him out back, man. This script <laughs> I don't is know, taking man. years off my life. And so uh, I had to throw that in there. I saw a lot of funny, uh, you know, just guys. You know, uh, T.Y. Hilton had a hilarious one where he's got a p- picture of him and Andrew Luck. He's like twelve. Don't listen to the script. And so it feels like, you know, we're kind of in that stage now where I'm like, this script is crazy. Like, did I miss a page? Like, where's the where's the head coaching hire line? You know, and so, like you said, eventually it'll happen. But I do think, at least from my perspective, being in Mobile, like there are signs of obviously some other things going on. And, and, and as much as we want to focus on the head coaching search, on the quarterback, the head coaching search will obviously happen sooner. The QB, you know, conversation will continue. and We'll continue to dissect every single word, every single throw, every single interview. Um, until April, but I do think that there's other things going on with this team that are interesting, and I and I just wanted to make sure that people check that out, you know, and and kind of uh, you know, if you got any guys that you're interested in, I'm not a draft guru by any means, but I did get eyes on a lot of players. I just couldn't get like enough words on every single guy, you know, because it was a lot of scrambling trying to figure out, okay, who do I want to prioritize? But don't worry, like there will be other players drafted besides the quarterback, and other positions to address, and, and you know, I tweeted this out. After uh, Philly went to the Super Bowl, I was like, man, like the Colts beat the Chiefs this season. They lost to Philly by one. You know, people are like, yeah, that, that's that's because, you know, this team has talent and they were, they're not that far off. And it's like, no, they're, they're that far. Like they only had four wins, blew this biggest lead in NFL history. Like, James, they're they far. had five first quarter leads. Oh, they goodness had five gracious. first quarter leads. Uh, under Jeff Saturday. But I digress. I do want to say there's a lot of issues with this team. I do think that it's going to be a longer rebuild I don't they need to stop looking at this season. glass half full they need to start looking at this yeah glass half like empty. it was pretty empty these are the problems the season ended. exactly there's a reason and you're so, 4 12 and 1 there's a lot of reasons you need to address those and you're right exactly like, it's, it's gonna be a process right zach i don't think they're gonna be like you know two years and oh you're gonna we went in 10 they need to games, stop convincing like, themselves that they're close they need to stop convincing themselves that they're good enough to win the afc south when they're not they need to look at this as a long gradual rebuild they need to do it the right way and one thought that Chris Ballard has had privately over the last several months is it's amazing how hard it is to build it up the right way, which he feels like he did prior to this season. They had a pretty good roster. They were close. They were quarterback away, all that. And he said, it's amazing how quickly it can all fall apart. It takes so long to build it up and it takes so little to, to, for it to all crumble. I mean, in my class yesterday, I was, I was having my students look at the story I wrote after the Buffalo game last year where Jonathan Taylor went for five touchdowns and they just boat raced the Bills who made it to the divisional round or were one play away from the AFC championship game. And like that was the Colts, you know, like 16 months ago. And, and now they're an absolute abject disaster. And it just happens so fast. And they need to look hard and long at that and why. And like you said, there's no position that's off the books. There's no position that needs – that's that's fixed that doesn't need to get better besides maybe maybe running back if Jonathan Taylor is healthy and re-sign Chase McLaughlin at kicker <laughs> I'll give you that one they do need to I sign Chase respect the kickers around here man but you're, man, as you're saying about Jonathan think, Taylor and to think that was a storyline in camp we had no idea what was about to come but no JT did have surgery on his ankle I, I was told he should be back fully healthy by May or June so look around that mini camp in mid-June for him to be back but again no concern that he won't be ready to go for training camp. But again, that's not the top priority right now. They don't have a head coach, and they need to get a head coach in place to get him on the road to start scouting these quarterbacks because this is going to be 
a decision that's tied to his tenure here, right? If they get this quarterback decision, right? So we'll see what happens there. But I feel like the, the growing sentiment I get for the most part from listening to people around town, from going on the radio, from hearing comments in our stories and, and tweets, it's ABS. It's anyone but Saturday. That that chorus has not waned at all in the last couple of weeks. Again, I don't think he's going to get the job, but I'm not going to rule anything out because Jim Irsay is going to make the final decision. Is there any Saturday truthers out there that are like, have you seen any, James, that are literally pining for this guy to get the job and, and maybe he will, but I don't see it. I got a couple in my mentions every now and then. It's definitely not as much as, you know, clamoring for other guys. And a lot of it is just, you know, hey, don't disrespect an all-time great. You know, he did a all-time lot for great. franchise. All-time great, one of the best players in franchise history. And I understand all of that, but I do think that there's just levels to this as far as, you know, coaching and being prepared and having the experience. And again, I have never said that Jeff Satter doesn't care. I know he cares. I know he wants to succeed. I know this means a lot to him, but I do think, again, just with any job, anywhere, experience matters. And do have more experienced guys who will care, you know, just as much about wanting to turn this this thing around for this franchise. So we'll see. But again, I just think that it would be hard for me to kind of accept, you know, if, if I were a fan or really just the league just looking around like okay you interviewed all of these people like you said you know 21 sit down interviews and you know hours and hours of talking about like that would be something that would be unprecedented this would be wild if they sat down for 21 interviews with some of the brightest offensive and defensive and special teams minds in the game and sided with the coach who went one and seven negative 87 point differential biggest collapse in nfl history etc that would be wild. Excuse me, the league-wide response, it would be explosive, I think. The story beyond that, beyond obviously who will be the coach, will be that apparently Chris Beller has more power. So that's something we have the to The question would be who, well. who's going to be the GM moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I, I, don't, I don't know if Chris Beller stays. I'm just, I'm. this is me talking. This is not Chris Beller talking, but that'd be hard. That'd be hard to see the GM staying when he's been trumped twice on who his coach should be. I've always been of the belief that the GM should pick the coach because they have to work together every single day. And I covered this team for long enough to know when they don't see eye to eye, the franchise isn't going anywhere. Chuck Pagano, Ryan Grigson, you guys know about this. That's just bad ball, man. That's just a bad way to run a team. So that's my opinion. We don't need to gig it into this Jeff Saturday stuff. You guys have heard it. We've been talking about it for months. I don't think it's going to happen. But again, I just have to warn you guys. The owner is the wild card here. Jim Irsay is the wild card. I think he's going to lean on his GM's pick whenever that pick comes. But at this point, Jim Mercer has been patient. He's letting Chris Ballard run a very, very thorough, patient process. Why overstep him at the very end? I just don't see that happening. But again, it could. So we'll see. James, is the next podcast we host talking about a coaching hire? Yes. All right. I think I think you're right. I think you're right. We'll see. I mean, oh my goodness. I. It would be funny if if it's if it is Shane Steichen and you got to wait officially before it's 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 officially announced. But I do think that and the last time they had to wait, the coach the coach changed his mind. They had to yeah, wait during the Super Bowl, and then a couple oh, of days later, he's goodness. like, "I'm out." All right, that's Zach, not going to happen stop, again. Stop I don't reading think. that that previous script. We're on a new script now, and so I do think that they will have one by the next time we talk, which would, in my opinion, be by the end of next week. Is, is my guess. I would be surprised if there wasn't a hire by the end of next week, if at the very least an agreement on the next coach. Exactly. Um, yep. Yep. I would expect something to break Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. That's my guess. Been wrong before, 
but I feel like they, they have to be nearing an end. If they want to bring in these third-round interviews, my goodness, what, what do you need to ask that you haven't asked already in 16 hours with these guys? But if you want to do it that way, that's fine. If they do do a third round of interviews, which they haven't ruled out, those would happen Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, possibly. They can't do Steichen next week because he's got a game to get ready for. But here we go. It, it just never ends. So that's where we're at. James filled us in on the Senior Bowl. Uh, I'm staying on coaching watch. The Colts probably have a coach by the next time we record. I know you guys out there are praying for them to have a coach. We're ready for this to be over as well so we can move on with OC hire, DC hire, and what we're going to learn about this coaching staff moving forward. Because now, one quick thing I wanted to just throw in there, and I'm sorry to cut you off. Jim Arce hears everything. Like, I don't, you saw him retweet the video from Joey uh, Molinero, I believe is his last name, where <laughs> Joey is basically pretending he's doing the skits where he's pretending to be Arce and Valor talking about the head coaching search. And in the video, you know, Jim is really clamoring for Jeff Saturday, and Chris Ballard is like, hey, man, like, we cannot go down this route. And so Jim Arce retweeted that, put a laughing emoji. So he hears it absolutely 100%, probably more than any other owner in the league. And so I just wanted to make sure, like, people, you know, obviously they know that, but I want to make sure that we're aware of it. I mean, I looked at it, and I was like, hmm, like, that's something to kind of keep an eye on. Like, he absolutely hears everything. I'm sure you've seen the petition, all that stuff. And so that's just one thing I want to throw out there because I know for a fact Jim Arce Hears and sees all here um, in Indianapolis. I couldn't believe he retreated Joey. I, I I was talking with another one of our reporter buddies, George Bremer, the other day. Like, what does this mean? It could mean so many things. It's oh probably best to not try and decipher it. But <laughs> I I just I don't know, man. I just I know was scared this. to like retweet it, it to be until over. he did. And when he did, I was like, all right, it's free game now. Like I'm retweeting it too. That was pretty funny. Joey's great. His it was, Chris, I told oh I texted gosh. Joey. I was like, your Chris Ballard impression is so good. So. <laughs> there you go. Here we go. This is what we talk about 23 days into the search, 21 interviews down as of Saturday afternoon. At my luck, they're going to hire a coach Saturday afternoon right during the IU Purdue game, which I want to watch, but oh, no. I will be happy. Don't do I will be happy me. that it's over. So thanks for bearing with us. We've got a lot on the site. We've got a lot coming. Trust me, I've been digging on this coaching search and trying to find out what they're going to do over the next six or seven days. But obviously when they make a move, we will have a lot more coming as well, as well as another podcast. And we'll have to think of another name as well. But for James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. You guys stay warm out there. It's freezing in Indy right now. And we will let you know next time when the Colts hire a coach. Thanks for listening.